Hey everybody, how's it going? Before we kick off with the show, just want to let you guys know, this is part one of two, okay? John and I, we got talking, got carried away, and uh, we went way over time. I like to try and keep these things at an hour, but we ended up going with an hour and a half, almost an hour and 40 minutes. So, cut it up into two episodes, and that's what it is. Let me know what you guys think. Cheers. Hey everybody, how's it going? Thank you for tuning in again today to the Veteran Welding Podcast. Uh, today we have another guest on the show. Um, you guys probably have heard of him, but you're guaranteed if you follow Black Rifle, you have seen his work, all right? This gentleman did their massive conference table and it is just absolutely breathtaking. Uh, the last about week and a half since we've been talking, we've been going back and forth and I've been, won't lie, I've been looking at all of his builds on YouTube and I highly recommend you guys go and check out John the Builder Malecki, all right? Uh, he does a lot of epoxy pours, just some really cool high-end craftsmanship and that's who we have on the show welcome to the show john oh thank you guys thank you for having me man this is awesome appreciate appreciate being here yeah no looking I, forward to it we appreciate you being on the show i'd like to cut i'd like the listeners to get a good feel of who you are so why don't we start off right from the very beginning okay like where how did you get into the nfl because i didn't mention that but that's where you started because you started as a Pittsburgh Steelers, correct? Um, so not not initially with the Steelers, no. So um, just just to take it even further back, um, so I'm from, my name's uh, John Malecki, as you heard, and I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I grew up um, family of sort of blue collar background. My my father worked construction. My mom uh, was a hairstylist, and uh, I was always uh, working with my hands and such. But I was definitely focused a lot more on sports as a kid. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to take my talents from high school to the University of Pittsburgh, where I, uh, where I ended up playing, uh, playing there for four years and then getting a, a brief shot in the NFL where I bounced around for about four years as an undrafted free agent. I um, went through about uh, five teams and 13 different cuts and transactions, um, and I retired in 2014. Um, from there, I picked up the hobby of kind of making furniture and, and hustling it on the side a little bit on social media to make some money. And, and that sort of started to go into a direction where I can make some money from it. So I, I pursued that for a good, uh, I would say, three to four years <clears throat> until about 2016, I uh, started picking up some attention from my Instagram growth and I started making YouTube videos and uh, that has spiraled into becoming more of an influencer and I, and I pretty much just make videos now. Um, and I do all kinds of crazy and wild stuff uh, trying to just push the envelope and get more young people interested in making things with their hands again. Nice. Nice. I won't, I won't lie. Just you're, you're, you're definitely hitting that nail on the head because you're getting me fake looking at stuff around the house where it's like, okay, we need coffee tables. We need, you know, little shelves here and there. How can I incorporate wood into that? Cause my wife won't let nice. me just weld something together. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surprisingly all metal furniture isn't the best for the, the home atmosphere for multiple reasons, but definitely a great accent for, for any type of furniture, in my opinion, especially when you have a toddler running around. Yeah, no good for toddlers or noise or or animals. Yeah, yeah, it gets, gets tough. Yeah, <laughs> you mentioned you were in the NFL there. So, what did you learn while you were there besides the obvious football? Like, what? How can I put this? What what trades? What habits? What mindsets did you learn in that 
field, uh, no pun intended, that you were then able to carry over into the woodworking world? Yeah, I mean, so uh, one thing you learn from sports is that uh, if you're not like the best um, like guy on the team, uh, you're always working to try and get there, um, at least if you want to be good. Um, so for, for my experience, you know, I always approached athletics as something as an opportunity. Um, and from that, uh, you know, I was an offensive lineman. Um, and if you're not a football fan, I was the guy who snaps the football to the quarterback. Uh, and that position is called the center. Um, so from that position, you're, you're essentially like weighing the whole field. Uh, you're breaking down what the defense is doing. You have to be able to think a lot on the run. You have to know the playbook sort of inside and out. So there's all these nuances that go into the sport and specifically the position I was playing. Um, so uh, in that, you know, being an underdog and someone that was fighting and scratching for a spot on the team, uh, you start to pick up tertiary skills that are applicable to the team in general. And that could be anything from learning the long snap or, uh, you know, becoming a gunner for practice on punt uh, to, you know, playing a little bit of defense or, or whatever it might be in order to try and just broaden your skill set and become as valuable as possible to the team. Um, learning, learning that. And then also in the classroom. So it was more application on the field and then, uh, behind the scenes was getting as inundated with the ins and outs of what's happening, um, as much as I can in, in the meeting rooms, uh, in order to apply it on the field. For myself, you know, I, there was a, it was just I wanted to be the smartest guy in the room because I knew I'd never be the biggest, I'd never be the strongest, I'd never be the fastest because I was just physically outmatched um, in a lot of those naturally God-gifted categories. Like, I, I can't change how tall I am, right? But I can change how much time and effort I put into learning the playbook. So there was very rarely an occasion in which I didn't know what was going on or I didn't know more than uh, the other people in the room when it came to all of the little basics and, and nuances <clears throat> and all the advanced level stuff as well that comes into uh, you know, managing a, the the the. I guess what the offense as it comes pertains to being an offensive lineman. Um, and that's a lot of fast moving parts. And then with repetition, it all becomes extremely um, easy uh, to, to replicate and as is life. Right. So what I learned in football and all those applications was, was like those, uh, those sort of that groundwork of uh, becoming as smart as you can of whatever you're trying to apply um, and that as well as trying to broaden your skill set as much as you possibly can. Uh, two extremely valuable aspects of football that I've been able to apply to my professional life now that I am, a, I guess you could consider me a, now that I'm a full-time uh, maker uh, in, 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 the, in that context. Nice. So what, why, the, why the NFL? What, what, was the, what happened in, in your youth, I guess, where you were like, you know what, NFL, that's that's where I want to go. That's where I want to be. Um, I mean, so in Pittsburgh, like sports are a massive part of culture uh, and life. And, you know, the Steelers are something that the town prides itself on. Uh, it's something that is inundated in the culture uh, as well as the Pirates and then the Penguins. So like a lot of the social culture in, in, my, in this city revolves around sports. And it was something that happened to be pertinent in my family growing up um you know when i when we were kids uh, i'm 31 i turned 32 and actually in a couple of weeks um Happy and birthday. There, thank you there wasn't any um 
you know, there wasn't any video games or anything to, to play as much as there are now. You know, the Internet wasn't a thing. Um, so you had to go outside. Uh, you had to find something to do. Uh, we were constantly playing sports uh, to stay busy, to stay out of trouble, uh, building things in the forts in the woods and, you know, getting, playing the creek and all that kind of stuff. And uh, <clears throat> as you get older, uh, sports becomes an outlet for opportunity. Um, and, you know, you see people get out of the town that you're in and not like there's anything wrong with what I grew up, but there was a couple guys that ended up going playing decent sized football and they were able to go to college on full scholarships. And um, you see those that framework and that opportunity and then you, you know, piggyback the fact that you enjoy playing, you enjoy the, the friendships and you enjoy the camaraderie and the competitiveness and all the other aspects of, of whatever sport it might be. And you're just naturally driven there. Like I kid you not, me and my 12 best friends all played football together growing up. And we still talk to this day. Uh, half of us went and played college football. A lot of us, I mean, everyone's a successful uh, person in, in their lives. Um, now and, and as fathers and husbands and such and uh you know the sports has been is something that was ingrained in us at a young age I and mean, we started playing youth sports when we were like seven and six and a couple of those guys even younger so the nfl is an obvious like why not if you have the chance like i kid like there's not a single person i've ever met that put on a helmet that didn't want to try uh or care to play you know after the day they last put their helmet on like it's it's just it's just the only reason, like you just love the sport. If you, if you truly love it and you have that opportunity, you you, you chase it till the you're you're incapable of chasing it anymore. Um, and so for myself at a young age, like I remember distinctly in second grade, our teacher asked us what we wanted to be when we grew up, and I said I wanted to play in the NFL. And I put it in a time capsule. It's buried somewhere around the school um, that 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 I went to. But uh, you know, it was just. I enjoyed it when I was a kid. I loved it when I was growing up. I loved it as an adult, and I, I still love it to this day. Uh, so it was just—it was just always a dream and something I was always chasing. Nice. That is awesome. That is truly awesome. I understand where you're coming from too. Where you're like, if you love it, you'll just chase it. I know in high school we didn't have football, but we had rugby, and mm -hmm. I was—I was a number five lock, and I absolutely loved it. Like it was just one of those things where as soon as you step on the field, it's just like, oh my God, I can just cut loose and just give her. This is, this is the only thing that matters right now is this sport and that's it. And I, I freaking missed it. I tried to, I know I tried to make the team there when I uh, got into the military, a regimental team, and they were just head and shoulders above me. And I stepped on the field, I think once, and it was just like, I, <laughs> this isn't happening. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so I bet. Yeah. But, um, cool. So did you have, uh, any role models that helped help push you to that? Like to achieve your goal of playing in the NFL? Um, I mean, you could say, yeah, for when it comes to role models, you know, I looked up to my dad and my dad never really played sports as far as, you know, he had to get a job when he was in high school and, um, he, he was a, he was a good athlete when he was younger, but, uh, what he instilled in me was always a, you know, solid work ethic. He, uh, he was always doing something to do more for our family, uh, still does to this day at, you know, 58. And, um, whether that was, you know, cutting grass on the side or, uh, coaching, he used to coach the, the middle school football team because his buddy, he was a custodian with. Um, was coaching varsity and needed help. 
Uh, so he didn't know anything about football, but he knew how to work the kids till they, till they hated him. <laughs> um, so, that, you know, that, that kind of like, you know, he grew up in the city and, and he was always uh, came from a tough, semi tough upbringing and always tried to instill toughness and, and hard work into myself and my brother. Um, so I looked up at him a lot and I, and I till still to this day, try to chase making him proud. Um, and, and sports was something that is, you know, it can easily become a situation where you can, you can make the people who, who are close to you, uh, you know, kind of share in, 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 in the benefits of it, um, and make them proud. I also knew that, you know, our, our, we have a blue collar family, like I said, you know, college would have been a long shot to have my parents pay for it. So uh, I knew my only way of going was going to be on scholarship and I didn't love school enough to, um, to get into school uh, with just my grades. So I had to, I knew sports would have to be the way. And I knew that we had a program and and a situation where I was growing up that there was a lot of opportunity to do so. Um, so for myself, I just looked at the role model as my father and in, in hard work and dedication and like relentless effort and put that on the field. Um, and he helped and still helps push me to this day to sort of, continue to work hard and provide for myself and my family and such and and always be progressing forward never never you know just accepting the way things are uh and kind of always wanting more um i was fortunate that the uh the city i grew up in uh the like the the football team was featured on a wheaties box in 1995 and uh excuse me 98 so like it was like i'm telling you like it's weird that you say there was no football where you grew up because i like i would i wouldn't want life without it uh it's just like it's just it's just hard to imagine i know uh, you're in you're in canada right yeah yeah. um and and hockey's massive like if you take like the influence of hockey on the youth in canada and, and like that's football for where i grew up um so like it's a big part of your life for the for the most part and and that's me being me generalizing hockey um, but to, to try and be relatable there. So for myself, you know, seeing that there was a team that was great when I was young, I was very young, um, and then trying to emulate that and, and reach to be better and try and outperform that team that was on the Wheaties box was our goal. Uh, me and my buddies and myself, uh, you know, and there was this one dude, he was, he was on a, you could call him a role model, but I actually never met him. Uh, his name was BJ Evangelista. He went to Penn State uh, on a full scholarship and uh, I wanted to be him. Like I wanted to be better than him. Like I wanted to go, I wanted to be the next dude in line that kids that were younger wanted to be. Um, And so I was just always chasing that next, next kind of tier above me. Uh, I didn't really have like physical role models in the sports or in sports uh, because I I was super bent. I was, I was very uh, blessed with having a, a great, uh, community around myself like I said with all all my buddies and stuff growing up like we were extremely one talented but two uh fortunate to be able to be in each other's lives so much and uh, all of us wanted this goal so it was something we would all chase together um and, and that and that sort of led to a lot of the success we had winning you know district and state championships and being nationally ranked and stuff in high school that is awesome yeah, no, it's I, I totally 100% understand where you're coming from with the with the hockey reference there. I know yeah. we my, my family growing up, we didn't we didn't have a lot of money. I always wanted to play hockey because it's like, oh, you know, the guys are playing hockey and that like, you know, can I go out and I, I want to play ice hockey with them? And it's just like, no, it's too expensive. And then when I got into high school, it was like, OK, well, you know, hockey's out of the question. 
what about football? Can I play football? And they're just like, no, it's, it's too expensive. So it's like, all right, well, what about, what about rugby? Well, what do you need? Cleats and a mouth guard. Here you go. You're playing rugby. So <laughs> I, I, I understand, but like the, the, the mindset and mentality was still there where it's like I mentioned before, where it's like, once you're on the field, it's, it's giver or all. And I know I had a, I, I had a pretty rough going in high school. Cause that's when I lost my father and he mm-hmm. was by the sounds of it, very similar to your dad, where it's just like, you know, like it doesn't matter what you're doing. You, you have to keep your nose to the grindstone. If you, if the sun's up, you're working to benefit the family, benefit yourself. And I can remember, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I can remember like he worked, um, he was a laborer growing up. He worked at a, a print print company and mm-hmm. he quickly worked his way up as foreman there. Then they went out of business and he started working for Goodyear making um, conveyor belts. And same thing, got in as a laborer, quickly worked his way up as a foreman. But then he got caught in a machine and broke his arm. And then it was just like a series of events after that. But anyway, it was always the same thing where it's like work your ass off till you can't no more. Like that that's what you're supposed to do. And it was awesome because I had that push and then when he passed the torch i guess if you want to call it that got passed off to uh, a teacher of mine rob stokes who was our uh high school rugby coach and he like you know there was a couple events that happened and he's just like no you need to fucking like get your shit sorted out and you know mm-hmm. this that and that and then he's i'm like okay all right whatever and i started doing it and he's like have you ever thought of rugby and it, that's the same and then that's what got me into that but yeah yeah it makes total sense yeah do you think you picked up any bad habits from the nfl while you were there um (laughs) i like to keep things pretty positive so like it's hard to dwell on the bad because i always feel like i'm trying to to move forward and work uh, harder um one thing you learn quickly as you're chasing something at such a high on like almost unattainable level as the nfl um is like you you uh it's so <clears throat> let me take a step back in, in life um a lot of us uh reach for moments of uh comfort and complacency right it's easy to sit around and look at things and go hey it's not that bad right it's okay mm-hmm. um you know like this is good like this is good enough like you know i don't need to get up at six o'clock in the morning i can i can sleep in like you know things are going good or whatever in the nfl it's like super uh, it's under a microscope as well as it's, so it's extremely magnified. Those are the words I was looking for. Um, <laughs> and so with that, you know, you can get very complacent with where you're at. And especially because the money is, is really, really good and it's life changing. Um, so for myself, you know, I, uh, my first year, um, I was signed as an undrafted free agent. Uh, you know, we just had the NFL draft after the draft. I was signed, went to Tennessee a week later. I flew home for college graduation, worked out all summer, flew back to Tennessee. I lived there for the rest of the summer, excuse me. And then uh, at the end of the third week of training camp, uh, we were leading up to the first preseason game. I get cut um, on a Thursday afternoon uh, with my ankles taped, ready to go out to practice. Um, it was just, it just happened to be, uh, they needed a tackle and I played guard and center, um, dude got hurt and I was low man on a totem pole. So, uh, coach patted me on the ass and and sent me packing, uh, nine hour drive home. You really get to, uh, reflect on, on, on what happened, what, what you were doing. And, and kind of in those moments, what I, what I started to do was, um, 
every time that that cut like that would happen is I'd be able to look at the situation. Judge, I do absolutely everything possible to make sure that I was as valuable as I could be to this team. Um, and so that concept of complacency, uh, the reason I brought it up is it's something that it's always, <laughs> it's always trying to jump up and bite us as, as humans. It's always something that like comfort is something that it were, it, it's, it's what it is. It's comfortable. It's easy. It's something we all try to lean into um, that. And that's always nipping at our heels, uh, trying to pull us in. And in the NFL, uh, when you're making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, and you're around this lifestyle that's not the real world. Like you don't like you're catered to left and right. Your life's completely scheduled. Um, you're 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 flying on private planes to go anywhere. Um, you're 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 you know your your peers and stuff are literally all doing the same thing. Uh, you're on television all the time. You you have personality in the in the in the in the media and all this stuff. You get the semi complacency with your your your. You, excuse me, you can become complacent with where you're at in life. Um, and so I always found that it, it was constantly nipping at me. Like uh, the last, so my last go around with the Steelers, I was, um, I was on the active roster the year before. Uh, we were coming off of a, a, an eight and eight season, which is not good when you're the Steelers. Um, and the, there was some, some shifts and whatnot in the coaching staffs and such. And, and our offensive line coach took the head coaching job at another university. Uh, so the new guy comes in, the new, the, the old coach, uh, went to bat for me a ton. He, he, you know, he, he was a coach on, on people as well as performance. Um, and that's, that's the way life is. Uh, if, if you're listening to this, um, realize one thing that the world plays favorites and it's your job and responsibility to become one, not to bitch about those uh, that are doing better than you. Um, so in the NFL, you know, if your coach doesn't like you, it's not your coach's fault. It's yours. And that's sports. <laughs> and that's my opinion. And that's life in, in my opinion as well. Um, so all the way back around to this complacency concept is I go through a season of being on the active roster, which is, which is the only time you get paid for those of you that don't know, you don't get paid in the off season, in the NFL, you only get paid during the 17 weeks of the season and the playoffs. Um, so, Oh wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, um, the, you go through the off season, you're not making any money. You come into the training camp, you're not making any money. I get all the way through last cuts and I'm the local guy, right? Went to, went to, uh, High school in Pittsburgh, went to college in Pittsburgh. I made the active roster in Pittsburgh the year before coming out and making the opening day roster is like that next thing on the belt. Um, and so <clears throat> the last season of, of the last, excuse me, uh, week of preseason, you play your last preseason game on a Thursday. Um, and NFL rosters every week are set on Tuesday at 4 p.m. So uh, one of the bad habits you get into in the sport is that you just think every week's like a guarantee. You just think it's all going to start to flow through. And then for myself, I was always, and I was getting cut and traded and, and bounced around on waivers and all kinds of stuff all the time. So I never really got away from having that in the back of my mind. But just this last time, I felt like this moment of weakness where it was the Saturday after preseason. I, the three seasons before I got called on that Saturday to go in and got cut. Um, and it became like a ritual where we'd go out drinking and hanging out and, and I'd show up, you know, when they called, uh, I'd, I'd be the veteran dude that's used to getting cut on the last day. And, uh, then I'd go back to whatever we were doing and I'd get picked up the next week by, you know, whatever means uh, kind of thing. So that last week, 
I don't get cut Friday. I don't get cut Saturday. I don't get cut uh, during the day Sunday. And I'm out with my dad, and we're 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 shopping. I told him if I made the opening day roster, I'd buy us both uh, 44 magnums. So we're out looking nice. at these guns, and per, per per his request, and uh, I get a I get a phone call from a random number on my phone, and I knew that second exactly what it was. And I looked at my dad's face, and uh, I told him I was like, they they they're gonna release me in the morning. Um, I gotta pick my book in. He. It was like I shot him with a gun. He was so sad. Um, and what I learned in that was was to not take your to, – to not let external influences affect your own personal psyche. Um, and, and for that reason is like, you know, I, I relaxed from being focused potentially or understanding that I was going to be released because my environment was telling me otherwise. The newspaper was was calling, you know, local news stations were were reaching out about stories because it was very un, it was very uh not normal to have that cut happen on on Monday. Um very normal for it to happen over the weekend and, and where you get used to it. So when you make it through Sunday or you know the the people start around you start getting excited. And so a bad habit of mine was to allow those other people to influence me. And it's something since then I, I've very much been guarded from. You know, I, 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 my, my, my wife asks me about why I don't ever enjoy the, the good moments as much as I should. And it's always because I have in the back of my mind this conditioning that it could all be stripped and taken away from you at any second. Um, so asking about a bad habit. A bad habit that you, and a lot of NFL guys and myself included can pick up is becoming complacent, becoming comfortable uh, in, in your situation, right? You're on a roster for a year. You know, you go into the next year, you think, hey, this is my job to lose. Uh, and then you go ahead and get comfortable and you lose it. Um, so uh, since then, I've taken this kind of throughout my life, this mindset in my life to like never become comfortable, never become complacent kind of thing. And 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 uh, it's something, you know, since now that I'm talking about it, uh, it stems from my experience uh, in that in those last in that first and that last cut I went through uh, while playing in the NFL. Yeah, no, that's that's something a lot of they they hound yet when you're overseas, when you're on training and stuff like that is don't get complacent because that's when if shit hits the fan that's when you know people get hurt but i i totally yeah. i 100 see where you're coming from with that and that that's what essentially will make or break you so yeah for uh, sure i mean and 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 in moments of comfort like when you feel comfortable it is always when something can sneak up on you it's when you lose focus um and and that's in any regard right like say for instance uh excuse me when you're welding like i was doing this a couple weeks ago <laughs> i'm uh i was tig welding something and for some reason i was just like i was very lax and and not uh, super focused on what i was doing and i took like a red hot rod and stuck it right into my stomach <laughs> and i have like a scar and i have like a scar now i mean i caught it quick enough but like i turned and just poked myself with it and i was doing something so small that i had like I, I didn't really care to be that focused, but you get comfortable and you start to like not be hyper focused on what's going on. You can get hurt or, or, or shit can hit the fan. Like you said, and uh, you know, the bad things come from that. So, uh, you know, work towards moments of comfort, but never become comfortable. Exactly. Kind of the mentality. Yeah. Oh man. I, I, I don't know how many times I've done that, especially with aluminum. Cause it's like, it, it doesn't change color <laughs> when it's hot. It's hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
so I remember sitting there one day. Yeah. I, I just l- luck of the draw. I just grabbed it with my glove, a piece of aluminum. After I was done welding it, because like, okay, I gotta do this, gotta do this, gotta do this. Grabbed a hold of it, and it was on the only spot on the glove where there was a hole, and it just, <laughs> oh man, just oh, I was pissed. And it was one of those things where it's just like, yep, I know better. I know better. But oh well. Anyway, let's keep. Uh, yeah, keep, man keep moving forward so uh woodworking you mentioned that uh when, once you got out you started doing this and h- how old were you when you retired from the nfl just so we can have a reference uh, 24 i want to say 23 24 i think shit i'm getting old well yeah hey, whoa 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 you're you're only like three years younger than me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm getting old <laughs> okay yeah, so I was pretty young. I was in my early 20s. Okay. Which is crazy because you take this like massive evolution into adulthood straight out of college and high school. Um, and like there's no stop to it. And then boom, you're done. And you're like, my life's climax already happened. And I'm 24 years old. <laughs> what the hell happens now? Yeah. Well, I know when I retired from the military, I was 28. So. Yeah. But. Super um, young. Oh, yeah. Well, I actually. I, Fun fact, I actually dropped out of high school to join the military. So Well, there you go. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Thank you. Nice. Um, so uh, when you got out, you're 24 years old. How did you find woodworking and what pushed you towards, of all things, once you got out, woodworking? Because I imagine if I'm – I might be grasping a straw, correct me if I'm wrong. Coming from the NFL, do, do you have like a certain um, – a certain market that's open to you that normally wouldn't be open to other people. Cause I know in the military, if you sit there and you're, you, especially if you're, you're combat arms, like I was, you could sit there, you can go out and you can go private security and they'll pick you up like that. Or like, you know, surveillance companies and stuff like that. Is, was there anything like that um, offered to you or available to you? So there's a lot of opportunities when you have the resume builder that says, you know, X NFL uh, or whatever. Um, but it's not, it's never a handout like, you know, that that community is is pretty wishy washy, I would say, in regards to uh, player development post career, in my opinion. Um, I mean, meanwhile, I got a text today from like the NFL players uh, benefits committee like program thing. And like they do a good job, but you have to be very much uh, wanting to be a part of it. You know, it's not just like this you know, mystical thing that exists. So. For myself, I was super fortunate that I was in Pittsburgh. I went to Pitt. I played for the Steelers. Like, I had a lot of personal and family friends, and I was able to. I, I was always networking and making, building relationships with people. Um, and I had a few job offers for, for solid, uh, solid careers and stuff. And and I did go and like pursue that route uh, shortly. I never had one of the jobs, but I went on a bunch of interviews and whatnot, and it just like never really captured me uh, emotionally. Um, and so I, I picked up woodworking or making things as like a hobby. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, I was, I came from a, a background, uh, where my, my, my dad worked construction and if him and my grandfather ever needed anything done, I was very large and very free. So he would always <laughs> abuse me for labor. Um, so I had some, like, you know, I had some understanding of how to work my way around some tools. Uh, and, and from there, uh, I was, you know, I was looking for something to do in the off season because all you do is work out and eat and, uh, 
and 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 I came back from a trip and someone had broken a, a coffee table in our home in the apartment I was living with at the time and uh I wanted to build it and and build my next one it was like I don't know I saw someone had this table it was really cool I kind of wanted to emulate it I found some plans online and boom all of a sudden I'm woodworking quote unquote in the eyes of a lot of people uh in the world um basically all I was doing was screwing two by four chunks together uh, but I made a coffee table and it was really cool and a lot of people started to see it and appreciate it. And I just kept kind of farting with that hobby. Uh, once I was fizzling out of my football career, um, it became something that I was just working on, on the, on the side. And, um, it, it, so once I started putting it out there on social that I was building things for friends and family, it, uh, it turned more into like a, uh, stream of attention and income. Um, so, to answer your question about opportunities from football, um, it wasn't so much just like a handout of like, hey, here's a job you used to play in the NFL. It was more like uh, I was able to have a, an established sort of quote unquote name. Um, I had some Twitter followers and I had attention from people on you know, Facebook pretty much. And uh, I was able to use that to kind of segue into building a brand around me making stuff. Uh, I started a business with another teammate of mine, and we kind of failed and went our separate ways. But I always kept building things and uh, just started learning more and more about growing a social media following, the value of growing a true community, and started researching and like, excuse me, reading and learning more and more about uh, all the ins and outs of uh, a digital business and whatnot and marketing and my, my degree from pits and marketing, I should say, too, um, and just trying to apply it all uh, as much as I could. Uh, but the most beneficial aspect of the NFL was the fact that I, uh, I had a couple bucks in my pocket that I was able to get by for a year or two um, uh, as far as not needing to make crazy money in order to live, um, and that I also had the uh, sort of beginning of a following to get me uh, going to get, you know, some, some client work and some, uh, and some, some custom stuff in the pipeline, uh, as I was, as I was getting, getting the engines churning. Okay. Nice. So, so more than anything, you use it as like a, as a launching platform for your brand period more than anything. Uh, sure. Ironically, I actually keep it under wraps for the most part. It's not something I like initially just jump in and talk about because a lot of people, so there's a negative aspect of playing in the NFL. Is a lot of people assume that everything you have now was handed to you because of it. Um, and that was a lot of what I was getting early on. Uh, and that might have been my own kind of preconceived notion towards it was that I was uh, people think I'm, you know, not any good because I played football. They think I was just people are just buying stuff from me because I'm the cool dude that played in the NFL. Um, when now more and more, it's it's a phenomenal talking point like it is now. It was a great experience. It was a, it was a blessing. Um, and something that I definitely like appreciate from my life and, and definitely like uh, love, love talking about. But I didn't put it out there in the forefront. It wasn't like my marketing plan was like ex lineman <laughs> woodworker. You know, like it's yeah. just it was just something that happened to be about me. And I would all the time run into situations where they're like, oh, you, you played Pitt or you played for the Steelers, didn't you? And it ended up being a great upsell and relationship building tactic for myself. Yeah. You, you said there that you think you might've thought that was just the way people trying to think of the exact wording that you used. I think what you're getting at is that like, there's going to be instances where if people think you come from a different profession, that you're going to be lacking the skill set 
uh, in which you're trying to apply it to now um, in any regard, right? Like exactly. Uh, it, it, like, you're, how are you going to know how to do X if you were doing that for, in the past? Like, you can't be a good woodworker. You were in the NFL. Like, oh, you only have a business because you had a bunch of money. Uh, you don't have any skills. Like all that kind of those negative ramifications, which, which exactly, yeah. like at, the, at you know, in the moment right now, it was probably me just being self-conscious. Um, and so I never really kind of put that stuff out there, but I think that happens to any of us, right? That that's like, that's the, those are the fears and, and whatnot that a lot of us kind of have to overcome in, in, in life to, 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 to go to that next level, to get past the, the point of being comfortable and being uncomfortable. And, and, but the, the, I think uh, for me, that was one thing that I, I had to like, you know, just one accept and learn how to use it as a tool. Yeah. But the thing is, though, is like you, you got to if that's the way you felt, you got to remember, like at the end of the day, when you're going into a, a trade or a craft where you're working with your hands, your your final product is your signature. And Correct. that speaks louder than anything else. You could be sitting there holding a sign saying, XNFL, XNFL. At the end of the day, it, they're they're going to be looking at your at what you're building, and Correct. that's what's going to speak. And like, sorry, say body of work. It has to stand alone on its own. You can't just that's it's the whole concept of like marketing and selling. Uh, great brands are always built on good products. Mm-hmm. Um, if the product sucks, you can sell all day long, but it'll like it'll collapse. Uh, on the end. So you're nailing it that like, you actually have to be good at what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. And you have that in the bag. Like today, uh, I think it was either today or last night you, uh, posted a video of a floating table. Yeah. Today. Yeah. That is like the, the amount of detail that went into that was awesome. Like I, like I watched it about two or three times and every time it was like, Oh, okay. That's how you did that. And that's how you did this. And it would just, it's amazing. I highly, anybody who's listening to this, go hit pause, go over to YouTube and watch the video. Um, Thank we, you, man. I appreciate that. Oh, no, no problem, man. Like, and, and, and to be, to be honest, like I'm, when, when I find somebody who, and it doesn't matter what craft it is, it could be woodworking, it could be welding, it could be, um, photography when somebody yeah. sits there and they go they they have a skill set or they have a way of going about it and it doesn't just have to be telling the story but just like hold on, let me back up it doesn't have to be telling the story like how you do it where it's like okay this is how i'm doing it this is why i'm doing it it could just be just a time lapse and it's just showing them do it at the end of the day you could sit there and i could tell okay you put the time and effort and attention to detail into this where it just blows you out of the water or blows everybody else out of the water. Cause it's, it's fucking amazing. Like it really is like you, you're the woodworker. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. You're one of the woodworking guys and I'm watching your videos. Like it started off as just doing homework on you where it's just, okay, what are some top, some things that we could talk about if we hit a snag? Uh, how can I develop my questions for the podcast for you? So on and so forth like that. And then it just got to the point where like, I just started like, binge watching your stuff and Sarah's my wife Sarah she's like what are you watching oh, I'm just watching this guy do woodworking she's like oh John Malecki I'm like I'm watching that many yes. videos she's like yep she knows the sound <laughs> of your voice <laughs> and I appreciate it. and like and like so that's uh and and I and I feel very humbled to hear you say that I mean that's like the mission of my channel is is that 
Um, a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to be some crazy, you know, trained expert from go to years of schooling to be great at something. All you got to do is put your mind to it and like really, really take a look in the mirror and push yourself. Um, you know, you can look at the project that was do- projects, excuse me, I was doing a year or two ago and they were nowhere close to the complexity or to the, I guess, leaps that I'm kind of trying to take now. Um, and that's because I'm really starting to get comfortable, not only with, uh, myself, uh, my understanding of my audience, but uh, my abilities. And the only way to become comfortable with your abilities is to relentlessly practice and and try and hone them, right? Exactly. Um, welding is something, it's a perfect example of a craft or a trade in which the only thing you can, that makes you better is seat time. Um, you, you can't become a better welder just by reading books and watching videos. You have to get the time on the tools. Um, and so when you take that kind of mindset and start to apply it and, and you look at, uh, some of the, some of the theories out there, like the, uh, the 10,000 hour rule, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you're like, you know, it takes uh, 10,000 hours in order to become an expert at anything and for something to become uh, unconscious, subconscious, as far as a uh, human, human body movement and all kinds of stuff coming from science and, and whatnot. And, there's, there's great literature out there on that. Okay. But the way to skip the line when it gets to those things is just put more damn time in than everyone else. And, and for myself, I was really <laughs> – it's a blessing and a curse. But I was single and I was hustling for like five straight years where you're working 12 to 15-hour days, six, seven days a week where you know when other people weren't putting they – were, they were having different aspects of their lives – I was double and tripling my amount of time on the tools and in the trade and in the craft trying to get better because I wanted to be really good. Um, and it just took me putting in my head, like I got to stop just making complacent projects and content and, and take my stuff to the next level. Like, let's see how actually good I can be. Um, in my last couple projects, I've been really trying to push the boundaries, whether it's been with power carving or the design aspect, like that floating table, um, floating table was just something I saw a video of it and I was like, I can make that in scale in the real world. And I can show people that like you could take something that is almost incomprehensible on, on a small scale and make it even more incomprehensible on a large scale and then make it approachable and fun. Um, and, and so it's really humbling to hear that one, you, you're enjoying my content, but two, also noticing that like, I'm really trying to make it enjoyable um, and I'm really trying to push myself because because I think the state this is my opinion and this is uh it's not meant to sound negative, but the status of content creation in the maker community on YouTube and Instagram has hit like a wall where a lot of people are just copying one another. Um, and that's because all of us have incredibly dynamic and uh, uh, and, and, and individualized approaches to things um, which we can help others learn. Like I'm a very uh, hands-on, I think that's kinesthetic learner. Mm-hmm. Uh, when some people are much more visual, they learn a ton from physical. So when I teach a welding class, like I'm hands in there. Like I'm like, okay, this is you're going too fast, you're going too slow, like more wire, whatever. Um, but someone else might learn the same way from uh, just watching. So in that regard, there's a thousand different ways to teach a skill, which is why there's so much supplemental content in our space that's based around those things. But um, instead of, you know, a lot of people trying to push themselves, what they're trying to do is see what the audience or the, the community is looking for and then regurgitate it in their own voice. 
And I'm just trying to go a little bit of a right turn from that and say, okay, let's take all these things we're all learning together because the community is absolutely amazing for makers. Um, and then let's let's try and let's let's tilt it on its head a little bit. Let's see if we can take some design stuff and really start pushing it uh, and see where things can go. And so, like, uh, if you haven't been watching my content, like, you'll start to see like that's the direction I want to go. That's where I want to push myself and then just bring everyone for the journey because. You know, there's there's I've I've caught criticism because I'm not inundated in the fine tooling aspects of woodworking. Um, and that's a whole different monster that takes a whole different mastery skill set. Um, and, and that is and it's and it's very challenging and something that takes a lifetime for some people to develop. And I admire it and I respect it. And I definitely am continuing to try to push myself to it. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's the only route. Right. Mm -hmm. Be a great woodworker. You don't have to learn how to cut a houndstooth dovetail. You don't have to go uh, insane on trying to get into the ins and outs of complex Japanese joinery to be a great woodworker. You can you can push, you know, the external elements that you're adding to your design features you can push the designs themselves you can push scale you can tweak uh you know the sight lines and all kinds of things in the craft of woodworking and furniture making specifically that that can really make things interesting it can really be fun it doesn't necessarily just have to be the traditional definition um so and that's kind of where i'm trying to take things uh, because I see so much enjoyment and opportunity and like just looking at this project today and seeing the comments of people are like, you just opened my mind to a, a rabbit hole of concepts. And I'm like, perfect. Yes. That's exactly what happened to me when I saw this and I wanted to show you so that I could do the same thing. Uh, and, and I'm just really looking forward to trying to kind of like, you know, light, light a fire under the community, like start pushing, pushing it a little bit, you know, let's stop making, there was a pallet wood and rustic furniture movement like four years, five years ago. I don't know if mm -hmm. you remember Yep. that like a lot of people grew out of and I'm like, all right, let's kind of grow out of this phase of, of uh, learning all the skills and let's start taking all the skills on how to make, uh, you know, cabinets and in sleds for your table saw and, and stuff. And even like you watch my miter saw station, I'm like, okay, well, how can I add a mix to this? That's a little crazier. My outfeed table, like how can I add 98 drawers and a bunch of other crazy stuff? Like, just start pushing stuff, man. Like I, I just want to see, I want to see people strive for greatness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm trying to put out there in my content. Yeah. So I, I know I watched, um, I watched your miter saw station build a couple days ago and I remember sitting there and watching some of your videos and it's just like, he has all, he has that big ass like outfeed table and he has, you know, that big, nice wall with like the black shelving and all that. <laughs> like everything seems well thought out like what the hell is going on with the miter saw station and then yeah that that <laughs> one came up and i'm just like oh okay here we go and watching you build that i'm sitting there i'm like i know exactly how you're feeling I know exactly how you're feeling because i'm going through that right now and you're because i'm we, we just moved shops and i'm mm -hmm. trying to build the shop here at the house so that like everything's as efficient as possible but it's just like i I'm running into these roadblocks and with you, with the, the, the dust collection, the one point where you're just like, why do you suck so much? I'm like, I know exactly how yes. you feel. Cause I have that saw. The dust collection <laughs> sucks. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and I think, uh, you know, you said it earlier and, and it, and it's humbling, but it's also something that's like, 
I'm just an, I'm a regular guy. And all of the people on, on the internet that are making stuff and that are making content are pretty much for the most part, very, very approachable, awesome, cool, and relatable people. Um, but content itself has this sort of like, I don't know, it does this thing where it puts people in a light and shines and it puts them on a pedestal to where you feel like they're unattainable, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was like four years of my life where I thought Jimmy DeResta was actually the embodiment of maker Jesus and that I would never be able and, – and that doesn't mean that he isn't right now, but – Getting to meet him in person and getting to like just cut it up with him for a bit and talk like his brother lives in Pittsburgh. Like he we've got very similar like personality cues and stuff. He's a great guy. And meeting him in person, you're like, wow, I've idolized that guy forever. And just getting to meet him like it really breaks that barrier. So one of the things in my content that I'm really trying to do is make it like I, like I am just like all of you. Like I hate the dust collection on that tool. Like, why is everyone else like working around it to make sure the content's pretty and clean? I'm like, screw that. Like, I'm going to show you that I've thrown this thing or want to across the shop that like I break stuff. I make mistakes. Like I'm like, I'm in it just like everybody else. And I'm not perfect. Um, and so that's something I feel like is a good, it's a good cue. Like if you want to make content, just be yourself. I'm like, that's a big part of me is I'm, I'm actually really bad at a lot of stuff. I'm just good at, trying to solve the problems, I think. And uh, that's kind of the direction I'm, I'm trying to take my content by opening it up to those those types of moments. Because like, it's the same thing when I drop the cabinet, dragging it up my rooftop. If you haven't seen my my guest bedroom remodel, I uh, I had to drag a, a built-in through the window and then I drop it and crack the whole right side off it. And I was pissed. Oh, and, uh, man. And like... Why hide it? <laughs> you know, like I make mistakes. Yeah, I didn't perfectly plan for it. And I understand that I could have done it better. But like I was leaving for a vacation in two days. I wanted to get that thing done and I wasn't going to wait for help. Like I'm I pulled it up there on an extension cord. Like I'm ju- like I'm a real human. <laughs> I didn't have rope. I pulled out the hundred foot extra like the south wire. This thing's bomb proof. This extension cord. Oh, my God. I, I slugged it up there. And, and so those moments like. And that's something I want to make make sure everyone knows is like that's my favorite aspect of all the shows and events is that you get to meet the people behind the scene and see just how amazing and awesome they are and how personable a lot of the, a lot of the people are and how cool and fun they are to hang out with. And I think when you can include moments like that and show the realness of all of our lives and in your content, you truly do get to be like, I relate to that guy or like I relate to that girl. Like they're like they're cool. Like that's awesome and that's what I like. The rest of YouTube has that. The maker community just kind of pushes that away. And I'm trying to be like, all right, I'll spearhead this thing. I'll be the weird dude. Jackman's not going to be the only one getting weird. I'll get weird. Yeah. Hey, everybody. So that is where we're going to call it for this episode. Um, Part two will be next week, uh, dropping on Tuesday. So make sure you stay tuned to hear the rest of the interview with John Malecki. Until then, guys, cheers. Stay focused.